0: This morning, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 6 and rejoicing in the good news of the freedom for which Christ has set us free. Uh, As I hung up the phone, I blurted out four words. My mom had called to tell me that the doctors had found an egg-shaped tumor on the bottom of her right lung, and I'd seen her just two weeks before. We'd walked all over New York City, uh, and there'd been no sign of illness. There'd been no sign of fatigue. And sure, I, mom had been a serious smoker back in the day, but then I had been a serious smoker back in the day too. In fact, I remember uh, spending hours with my mom on her smoking porch, and we would talk together about life and about our hopes, that, I'm not recommending it, I'm not, comm- I'm just saying that's, that's what I remember. Uh, But that was years ago. As far as I knew, neither one of us had smoked in a long time. And as I stood there on the phone, listening to my mom's forced and upbeat voice, uh, these four words came blurting out. Can you guess what the four words were? I wish they were, I love you,
1: mom but what they were was, I need a cigarette. I thought
0: I'd understood addiction before that moment, but I realized in that moment that I didn't. And here's why that story matters. It matters not just psychologically for us as we process our experience, but it matters for us theologically, and here's why. Because according to Romans chapter six, Not just the part we read, but the whole thing. According to Romans chapter 6, sin is not just something that we do. Sin is something we're addicted to. And so if we're going to live in freedom, then we have to be willing to face our addiction. Paul's desire for the church in Rome is that they live in the freedom that God has for them in Jesus Christ. God's prayer for the church in Ossining is that the church lives in the freedom that is theirs in Jesus Christ. And if we're going to live the life of freedom, then we have to confront our vulnerability to addiction. And so that's why we're gonna gonna review this in Romans 6 today. We're gonna look at this, and I wanna look at it in three sort of headings. uh, looking at the way of addiction. I want to look at the way of freedom, and I'm going to look at the, the importance of our choices, power of choices. So, let God, would you take these words and this reflection, and would you take this time, and would you bring all of us to greater freedom by the power of your Holy Spirit? Amen. So let's first, I wanna talk about, let's, let's think together about the, the way of addiction. Uh, the way of addiction. There's two things that we need to know about addiction. The first, is, uh, where, uh, the first is what it does. What does addiction do to us? And the second is where does addiction lead us? So if we're gonna understand addiction, we need to understand these two things. What does addiction do and where does it lead? And uh, Paul helps us in Romans 6. What does addiction do? According to Romans 6, addiction, uh, addiction to sin, it enslaves us. This is what he, Paul says. He writes, therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their, its passions. No longer present your members to, uh, to sin as instruments of wickedness. He picks up this theme again in verse 16. He says, do you not know if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. In other words, what does sin do? According to Paul, what sin does is it enslaves us. And if you've experienced anything, uh, any type of addiction, you know that. Right? You already know that. You've already experienced it. When addiction grabs hold of us, when addiction grabs hold of you, you end up doing things that you know don't make any sense. Right? You know you're hurting yourself, but you do it anyway. Right? You know you're going to feel worse off later, but you do it anyway. And, and, and this can happen to any, You could be doing well. You can look on the outside to all appearances like, like you're holding it all together. And in the inside, addiction can be tearing you apart. And, and, and I want to be clear, when I'm talking about addiction, it's because it's easy for us to catastrophize addiction and our addictions and think of things as, as, uh, as particularly uh, damaging. But, but addictions are all around us, aren't they? Work.
1: Food, digital escape,
0: busyness, are just as common addictions as uh, recreational drugs or illicit sex. And all of us, all of us are vulnerable. Has anybody in this room, have you ever said, I'm just gonna check one more email. I'm just gonna check my phone real quick. I'll be right there, right? Uh and we know what happens, right? These these uh tools get a hold of us. We had a rule in our home that there were no there were no cell phones at the dinner table. And uh and the the number one person who's been who's been caught, who who's been uh challenged, who's been confronted with phones at the dinner table is me. And, uh, you know, it's like oh, something comes in, I get a notification, I get a check. And my daughters will look at me and say, um, are there phones at the table now? Just checking, you know. Addiction enslaves us. It captures us. It takes our freedom away. And, and so that's what addiction does. Now, where does addiction lead? And addiction, where it leads us, Sometimes it leads us there fast, sometimes it leads us there slow, but the end is the same where addiction is leading us is to spiritual death and to personal disintegration. That's where addiction leads. Uh, Notice in verse 20, he says, when you were slaves of sin, you were free with regard to righteousness. So what benefit, what advantage did you get from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of these things is death. And he says it even more pointedly in verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. And here's what I want us to understand and grapple with. It's not the the exceptional life, the unusual life that leads to slavery and spiritual death. No, no, no. It's the normal life that leads to slavery and spiritual death. That's why my first thought, when faced with the tragic news of my mom's illness, an illness caused by smoking, was, I need a cigarette. It wasn't rational. It wasn't comforting. This thought wasn't going to heal my mom. It wasn't going to bring health to me. Why did I say it? He said it because there's a
1: part of me and there's a part of you that's still vulnerable to addiction
0: and to spiritual death when all of us are vulnerable it's the normal path of life that leads to slavery and spiritual death and some of us are slaves to cigarettes and some of us are slaves to work and some of us are slaves to money and some of us are slaves to beauty and some of us are slaves to status some of us are slaves to pleasure and some of us are slaves to envy and some of us are slaves to fear and some of us are slaves to To distraction, the truth is spiritual uh, slavery and death are the normal orientation of our lives apart from Jesus. And it doesn't matter whether you work on Wall Street or sleep on Wall Street. It doesn't matter whether you're in ministry marketing or management It doesn't matter whether you code or create or curate everybody is vulnerable to addiction and its consequences. So the first question we need to ask ourselves as as a people called to be free in Jesus is, where are we vulnerable to addiction? Where does addiction have its claws in us?
1: Where does addiction have its claws in you?
0: And are you willing to face it in order to be free? Now, that leads us to the second uh, way I wanna think about this, and this is the, the path of life. How do we move from slavery and spiritual death, the normal existence apart from Jesus, to freedom and spiritual life? Uh, and I wanna talk about two false gospels. They're very, po- they're very po- uh, popular false gospels. And um, I- I'm using gospel here not to mean the good news as we understand it about Jesus, uh, I'm using gospel in the in the way that uh, author Steve Cuss describes. Uh, Steve Cuss says a gospel is a promise and a path. Uh, that's what a gospel is. It's a promise combined with a path to get there. And so there's two of them. They're very popular in our culture. Um, a, a promise and a path. Now imagine this line, this bottom line on our screen here, is our normal spiritual experience, our the normal human life, which leads us. To enslavement and to spiritual death and on either side of these is a promise and a path in the form of a stairway i love how you're anticipating my next slide this is amazing thank you so much now the steps up either side of the stairway uh, on what uh, uh, on one of the sides of the stairway the steps up on one side is a stairway called spirituality Right and spirituality now if you're going to if you're going to follow the path of spirituality here's what you do you find a spiritual practice that resonates with you It can be prayer. It could be study it can be Christian worship, it could be yoga, it could be mindfulness doesn't matter our culture says just find a spirituality that's meaningful to you and then make your spiritual practice habitual. Do it all the time. And then ultimately you get to the top of the staircase where you'll be a master of your spiritual practice. And if you're a Star Wars fan, you will recognize this is the spiritual, this is the path of the Jedi, right? This is this is how the Jedi transcend our their problem, their, their humanity, is, is by climbing up the path of spirituality. Um the promise is that we're gonna be able to transcend our addiction and spiritual death through our spiritual, uh, through our spiritual discipline, and it's a false gospel of course there's the other stairway is the way of morality and uh this this is uh steps are find a moral code it could be conservatism it could be progressivism it could be veganism it could be capitalism it could be socialism it could be any ism find a moral code that you uh, that you want to identify with, and then practice the virtues of that code over and over again until they become deeply habituated to them. And then you will master yourself, and you will be a person who transcends the human weakness to, to slavery and death through your moral integrity. And of course, Star Wars fans will recognize that this is the way of the Mandalorian, right? And so that's why we have the Mandalorian with baby Yoda uh, in his his bag over there on that slide, right? The promise is that we'll be able to transcend our addiction and our spiritual death through our moral integrity. that's how we're gonna, and these are two false gospels. They're promises with a path laid out of how we're going to transcend our addiction. But the good news of Jesus is different. The the good news of Jesus is that Jesus doesn't come to us at the top of the stairs. Jesus doesn't meet us at the top of the stairs. Jesus meets us at the bottom. You can show the next slide. Right! in the middle of our spiritual death and disintegration. That's where God in Jesus meets us. Jesus doesn't wait for us to get our acts together. He doesn't wait for us to clean ourselves up. He doesn't wait for us to find a spirituality or live rightly. Jesus meets us in our addictions, in our our weaknesses, in our vulnerabilities. Look at the life of Jesus. Jesus, born in a borrowed stable, he comes to those who have nothing. Jesus, a child refugee, comes to those who are persecuted and harassed. Jesus, a laborer with nowhere to lay his head, comes to the struggling. Jesus comes to the marginalized, demonized, demoralized, ostracized, and fetishized. Jesus comes to the immoral and the unspiritual. Jesus comes to us at the bottom. And to people on the path of of, of of death and disintegration, Jesus' words bring life and freedom. In a world that says, first make it up to the top of the stairs, and then you'll be free. Jesus comes and gives freedom as a gift. Paul mentions the death of Jesus no less than three times in Romans 6, this chapter and the cross of Jesus it hangs over the chapter of Romans 6 while G- while Paul's point over and over again is to Jesus's uh not just Jesus's death but his resurrection and his enthronement because of Jesus's death and resurrection addiction has lost its power because of Jesus's death and resurrection spiritual uh, death a- has lost its power Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we can be free. Look at what it says in verse verse 9. It says, we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, the death Jesus died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin. And alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the path of life and freedom. Jesus took our death so that we can have his life. Jesus entered into our weakness so we can have his strength. Jesus entered into our suffering so that we can have his freedom. And the amazing news is that this, this path of life and freedom is open to you. It is open to you right now, wherever you are, in whatever situation and circumstance you find yourself in. I, I, I've shared uh, the story of somebody I love dearly who is an addict. I was on the phone with him recently, and maybe I've shared this story here with you before. But I was on the phone with him recently and he was telling me, I, I hated my life in New York. I hate my life where I am now. I, I, I run from one addiction, to another addiction, to another addiction. I just keep running. I just keep running. I just keep running. I'm so I'm so tired. I hate I hate it, and nothing makes it better. And I said, uh, I I said, um,
1: Bill, God says you don't have to keep running.
0: And and then you know, Bill, who says he doesn't do God, he kind of swore at me, because he doesn't he doesn't do God, and and yet the truth that I want Bill to know, the truth that I want you to know is that God isn't waiting for Bill to get his addictions together before he's willing to meet him. The freedom that I've had from every addictive, any freedom that I've experienced, whether it was an addiction to cigarettes or other debilitating addictions to work or distraction or whatever else, every addiction I've ever experienced in the life of grace has been a gift of god's grace and god didn't wait for me to get it together god met me in jesus and delivered me from evil just like we pray in the lord's prayer the path of freedom is open to all to any who truly wants it which leads us to the power of our choice what what are we going to do and and i notice um, paul uses the word the six times in 11 verses in this chapter. Peristemi is the the Greek word that translates, at least in the NRSV, as present yourselves. uh, It says, for example, in uh, 6.13, no longer present your members uh, to sin, but present yourselves, peristemi, present yourselves to God. Uh, It says again in 13, present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. Um, for, or another, for just, in 19, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and greater and greater iniquity, now present yourselves as uh, your members as slaves to righteousness. The literal meaning of this Greek word, parastemi is to place before someone. To place yourself. What Paul is inviting us to do is to place ourselves before God. That's, that's what we do. We don't climb the moral staircase. We don't climb the spiritual staircase. We present ourselves as we are before God, asking for his love, his freedom, and his mercy. That's, our, that's what we do. And as we do, as we bring our whole selves to God, as we bring our whole uh, experience to God, as we do what God does in Jesus is he meets us and he forgives us and he restores us and he empowers us to love others. In Jesus, God sets us free. And he doesn't just set us free, but that he sends us together to announce his freedom to the rest of the world. To announce that that in uh, in this world where the normal path leads to spiritual death and personal disintegration, there is freedom in Jesus. There is hope in Jesus. There is
1: healing in Jesus.
0: If you're not yet following Jesus, you can enter into God's life today. As far as I can tell, the only requirement to have life with God in Jesus Christ is to want it and to fully present yourself as you are to God, repenting and believing. And you can begin your life with God today by simply presenting yourself as you are to God. And here's the thing. I want my friend Bill to know. I want my friend Bill to know, why are you hiding from God? Why are you running from God? God knows all about your life already. God knows. There's nothing you can confess that God doesn't already know about you. God sees you all the way down and God's posture
1: towards you is love and blessing.
0: And so why not? If that's who God is, why not turn to God and ask for his forgiveness and his freedom and his life? Here's what Jesus promises in John chapter 6. Jesus promises, the one who comes to me, I will never, I will never, never, never turn away.
1: Jesus didn't turn
0: Stephen away. I think of Stephen. I met Stephen when he was an undergraduate student. Stephen described himself as an atheist. And he joined a group of students to investigate uh, Jesus for himself. I asked Stephen what, what questions he wanted answered before he was ready to make a decision uh, and trust Jesus for himself. And uh, Stephen, Stephen's question was, yeah, I got a question. What, what, what's the big deal about Jesus? Like, why, why, why do we worship Jesus? Why isn't it enough simply to live a good life? Uh, simply to practice kindness and compassion. Why do you need to worship Jesus? And, and I said, well, okay, that's a good question. Uh, seems to me that it's pretty easy to love other people and practice kindness and compassion when people are lovable, right? But, uh, and, and that was intuitive, it made sense. But, but Jesus actually calls us to love our enemies and pray for the people who are hurting us. Uh, Jesus literally teaches us in one place that when somebody slaps you on the on the one cheek in a degrading way, that you are to stand back up, look the person who just slapped you in the in the eyes, and turn the other cheek. Stephen thought that was crazy. I said it is crazy, and it's probably impossible unless Jesus is making you free. Unless Jesus is transforming our lives see when we bring ourselves to Jesus and we trust in Jesus' love when we turn to Jesus just as we are Jesus transforms and changes us that's what worship is that's why we worship we worship because Jesus's compassion has found us we worship because Jesus's love has freed us. We worship because Jesus's love has captured our hearts, because Jesus's love has empowered us to love. We worship not just because it's a tradition we do, we worship because we've been found by Jesus. And the right response to having brought ourselves to Jesus and being changed by him is joyful worship in the presence of Jesus who didn't turn us away. Jesus didn't turn Stephen away. The next next day, a few days later, Stephen became a follower of Jesus. It was absolutely beautiful. His whole face lit up as he presented himself to God. And where Stephen had been suspicious and cold and calculating, he was now beaming with life. See, when, when, when we turn, when we present ourselves to Jesus, Jesus will never, 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 ever turn us away. My sisters and brothers, Jesus is calling us to freedom. Jesus is calling you to freedom. The normal path of our life is to is towards slavery and spiritual death. But God, through Jesus, has broken in, has broken the power of sin and offers us life. As it says in, in 623, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, I imagine that most of us in this room are already people who've already committed ourselves to following Jesus. We've already known what it's like, experienced what it's like to turn towards God in repentance and faith, to, to, to decide to begin a life with God. And, and, and if that's you today, I, I want to invite you uh, to come to grips with those things or to present yourself again to God in those places where addiction is, where you're vulnerable to addiction getting its hooks. Back into you. Because Jesus' is hope for you, God's desire for you is freedom. Freedom from comparison. Freedom from, from striving. Freedom from whatever it is. Jesus' desire for you is freedom. And if you're in this room or you're hearing my voice and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, Jesus is calling you today to life with him. The only requirement is that you want life, want life, want life with God in Jesus Christ and that you bring yourself to him in trust and repentance. Let us pray.
1: Lord, you are so generous. Thank you for loving us when
0: we, don't, when we didn't love ourselves. Thank you for freeing us when we couldn't free ourselves. Thank you for changing us when we couldn't change ourselves. Lord, help us to present ourselves to you as we are fully and wholly, Deliver us, Lord, from anything that seeks to make us small. Hold us down. Restrict us and constrict us in ways that lead to addiction and spiritual death. Free and liberate us, Lord, to greater life with you and in you. Lord, call us to life and hope. And belief. And through this community, Lord, would you bring others to know your life and freedom. Oh, my Jesus, many others. Amen.